Hello and welcome into another episode of Diving Deeper. This week we'll be diving into a bit of a tougher topic. However, this conversation is a necessary one, especially given the current state of the United States. This week we will be diving into the gun violence in the classroom and talking about the effects it has on students and staff alike. We will speak with three guests today, all of whom have different perspectives on the issue at hand. This is Diving Deeper. I'm your host, Chloe Guessing. Gun violence in schools is not something new here in America. It has roots dating back to the 19th century. The first school shooting occurred in 1840. John Anthony Garner Davis was a law professor at the University of Virginia, and he was shot by one of his students. He was declared dead three days later. With the age of social media and the wide availability of guns, the number of school shootings has only increased since then. From 1840 until 1999, when Columbine occurred, there have been 227 school shootings. Columbine, noted at the time as the most deadly school shooting in modern history, was a turning point in the conversation surrounding gun violence. Gun violence is a national issue, and its impact does not exclude Philadelphia and its surrounding suburbs. According to the Children's Hospital Philadelphia, the firearm mortality rate in PA is 12 for every 100,000 people, higher than the national averages and higher than the surrounding states. This does not stop at Temple University. Students, parents, and faculty alike receive numerous alerts regarding gun violence on campus daily. Students feel immensely apprehensive about living in North Philadelphia. Public perception of Temple University has been marred by the news reports of gun violence, robberies, and other instances of above-average local crime. But how do Temple University administrators and educators feel about this threat and danger? Communication and Social Influence Department Chair and CSI Professor Tom Wright has been commuting to and from campus for nearly 20 years. We asked him to share his experiences residing, working, and transporting through high crime regions. I've never, when I've been teaching anywhere, whether I taught at Purdue or Shippensburg or here at Temple, I've never felt particularly uh, unsafe in the classroom. Uh, you know, I, many people, of course, I'm attuned to, you know, mass shootings that take place, mass shootings take place at schools. Uh, and you always have in the very deep recesses in your mind um, some fear that might happen. But I can't ever recall entering a classroom and that being the first thing I was thinking about. Like that doesn't, that's not like the framework that I have for it. It's not the way I really process it. Um, so when you say how safe do I feel while teaching in the classroom, you you might have some like uh, cultural and certainly is that if it happens so many times in so many places it's something that can happen but it's not like a starting point for i don't like prep for the day thinking about being unsafe in the classroom and that's anywhere i've ever taught wright's point here brings us to an interesting pivot in the article titled, What Data Analysis Shows About Campus Shootings, David Reedman and James Stinsley from PBS NewsHour report, there have been nine mass shootings in or around college or university settings since 1966, according to the Violence Project database. But it's important to note that the term mass shooting here is defined by the death of at least four individuals in public in one shooting. 
This would not include the shooting on Diamond Street, just blocks away from Temple University's main campus. Here, four people were injured and taken to the hospital. This would not include the death of Temple University's officer, Christopher Fitzgerald, shot by a Temple student right next to his off-campus housing. How we define crime and stress matters in an environment where cultures, social groups, and systems interact. Like Professor Wright mentioned, there seems to be a need to reinforce our approach on real difference makers. No crime on campus does not seem to sufficiently define safety. At the same time, high crime rates in Philadelphia neighborhoods are not solely a reflection of anyone's region failure. Rather, diving deeper into the dynamics and needs of intersecting populations of Philadelphians is a necessary step to determining social justice and well-being. Still, many members of the Temple community express disapproval for lack of action. Students particularly express that to dismiss the jarring contrast between on and off campus annual gun violence is to disregard the well-being of over 20,000 students residing off campus. Some people also argue that administrators redirect responsibility for high crime onto local residents rather than taking accountability for Temple's lack of coordinating with neighborhoods and communities. Where the responsibility ends and where it begins to provide security and outreach is a tension point amongst municipal leaders, police officers, administrators, students, and parents. I don't, I don't know how they could communicate to uh, stakeholders, uh, whether in the community, parents, students. Um, I think they're pretty forward, straightforward about what's taking place um, and the things they've done. Uh, I, I do think there is some tension, obviously, between, and again, you know, general, what might be sort of the tension point here or the disconnect is that uh, I'm, a, I'm a high information person. I consume a lot of information about as much as I can about Philadelphia and Temple University. And if you have a low information person, and that's not that that person is a like low information doesn't mean bad person. It just means they don't have the time. They got other stuff in their life they're not paying attention to. If you're a low information person and you're watching the local news, the local news, you know, paints a a very dramatic picture, and that dramatic picture should reflect the actual impact that it has on people's lives. But that dramatic impact on people's lives um, doesn't also take into account that people live and work and commute to and uh, you know uh, participate in campus activities. It's not as if there's these things going on in like Temple's campuses during the day, like um, some sort of, you know, awful thing to be at and people are scared and nobody's out. I mean, if you're on campus, like you may have been on campus today, like people are out and about and that's pretty much every single day. So I think when you talk about the communication, I think there, I I wouldn't call it miscommunication, but there's a tension point between a person who is highly invested like myself, who spends time thinking about it and living in the environment and a person who doesn't live here, doesn't work on campus, doesn't consume that information, and only see things on the news, that is a chasm. If you want to, if someone wanted to argue that the police should do a better job or Temple should do a better job of communicating to news organizations, but you can't make news organizations cover good news. The normal, normal does not, normal is not on the news. I like that. I've noticed that as well. I feel like we talk about that in our classes in the CSI department, um, not just in risk management, but 
uh, I guess just like your ability to not be able to like cognitively take on so much information means you filter it and yeah. filter it like that the novelty or like the emotional appeal of like crime really influences people in maybe like a negative way and i feel like that might deter people from even applying to temple if they feel like all they're seeing is like oh my gosh there's another shooting another shooting or another citizens alert right um, in Ward 20, where Temple University's campus is situated, there were 16 total shootings in 2021, according to Billy Penn at WHYY's data analyst. Administrators mainly acknowledge why violence occurs within these we're borders. All working together to have a good strategy to move forward and then making sure that we're communicating it. That's a big piece of it, too. We're doing a lot of great things here within Temple Police Department, but we have to communicate those out with the community to make sure that they know these are all that the safeguards key. we have in place. These are all the things. It is key. I yeah. mean, you know, you're in communications, yeah. like, you know, so that's that's the thing. Policing is now in the communications business because we need people to know these are all the things we do because perception is reality. Even when you look at Philadelphia's crime maps, you see that campus is exceptionally safe. Um, and so we want people to feel safe. But we continue. On campus violence, they say, has generally been non-existent. They say nothing, however, about what has occurred within the three wards in which, according to U.S. News and World Report, 84% of Temple students reside. Ward 16, Ward 32, and Ward 47. In Ward 16, which includes Dauphin, Susquehanna, and Cumberland Street, there were 56 shootings in 2021. In Ward 32, which includes Arlington, Norris, Berks, and Fontaine, there were 68 shootings in 2021. And in Ward 47, which includes Cecil B. Moore, Oxford, and Masters, there were 30 total shootings in 2021. These neighborhoods experience, on average, a nearly quadruple rate of shootings according to on-campus rates. I don't think I'm a naive person. Maybe I should be more scared, but comparatively speaking, I, I, I feel safer on campus now than I did when I first started working. I think I think the Philadelphia area we live in and, and where Temple's located is safer than it was um, no, that's a little bit of a boomerang because there was a crime, you know, crime was up and then it kind of went down and crime has come back up. But I think, and I don't want to, I didn't have a chance to look this up before we talked today, but I still think the crime rate of murder rate is lower than it was 20 years ago. So uh, that that's my point. Yeah, I think you're you're correct in that sometimes people just measure a five-year period of time. Right. Than like the big 20-year. Yeah. Uh, and, and I would say, I, I want to get in here, my, my son attends Temple. My, my youngest son started, um, he lives in 1300, so he lives across from my office is. Um, and, you know, uh, certainly, it, I, again, I would be like foolish to be like, uh, if I wasn't concerned about his safety. But I, you know, I've said to him many times, like, if you're on campus, I'm like, and I, and I again, it's a really important point I want to make at some point here. Uh, about the racial distinction and the experiential distinction of North Philadelphia and me as a commuter and also as a, a white person. But I said to him, he's more likely to get run over crossing Cecil B than he is, you know, I could knock on wood here just to be safe here. But he's much more like, I'm much, I'm like, you be careful because people don't always stop, right? 
You know, it's it's a, a crossing the street can be really scary <laughs> around Temple. Um, and I'm like, look, if you're on campus and certainly I think even certainly in the early evening up until 10 o'clock, you're very safe getting back across campus to 1300. Like, I, I don't really worry about that. I'm like, if you leave campus, you, you know, you grew up in the suburbs. You need to be a little more attuned to, you know, take your earbuds out and pay attention to where you're at and what you're doing. Professor Wright recognizes the struggles which Temple University students confront. Gun violence has hurt students in more ways than one. It impacts their mental health as well. As an educator at Purdue and Temple University, and having a career spanning over a decade, Wright says that this novel system of accommodating mental health for students will require more time to develop. And we're just now trying to uh, reconstruct a system that is more empathetic to people, right? And that's a challenge to do, right? It's a challenge for me as like the focal point, as the tip of the spear, right? I have to sort of figure out how to do it. Um, and then I have to train other people, be like, okay, here are some ways in which we can develop some flexibility in the system so you're being attuned to people's uh, life experiences, but also trying to ensure that this is a safe place they can come and learn things. People get pissed and uh, and I'm like, I don't want you to be mad at me, right? Because my job, my bosses have expectations. They're like, hey, you said you had an attendance policy. Are you gonna follow that? You didn't follow that attendance policy. Now you're in trouble because you didn't do it. And I'm like, they're a human being. I don't, what am I supposed to do? I don't, like, I can't not treat them. And I'm not saying like my bosses are all me. I'm just saying if you give, like, I'll give an extreme example. If you have a great dispute in a class, you have to then, that becomes the focal point of like, were you treating every single person exactly the same? And if you didn't, you have to account for why you didn't do that, right? And you can't be like, well, I thought that uh, Jamil was having a mental health day. I didn't count them as being absent. And they're like, why not? And I'm like, because they're a person? What am I supposed to say here? So, so it's, it's really challenging. And again, I really, I, I appreciate, again, because I have people who work for me that I train them and they're like, what am I supposed to do, Tom? And I'm like, just be consistent. Try to be consistent. Sorry, that's probably much more than you ever wanted. Professor Wright mentions a key ingredient here, consistency. But it does not only apply to one-on-one student-to-professor relationships. It could improve stability for a multitude of communities. Wright is not the only educator who struggles with gun violence in the city and surrounding areas. We had the opportunity to speak with Upper Dublin High School educator Chuck Guessing. Guessing has a career spanning over 20 years in high school education, mainly localized in the Philadelphia suburbs. Mr. Guessing has been in numerous lockdowns due to potential violence in and around his school. Rather than letting these experiences create fear for Guessing, he's taken action and works to create a safe learning environment for his students and himself. The problem is the environment is supposed to be open and inviting the students, so I tend not to lock my door unless there's an issue. Other teachers do lock their door. Problem is, if a kid gets called down to the principal's office to guidance 
uh, for a meeting, has to go to the bathroom. I'm going back and forth between the door constantly instead of teaching my class. So I do tend to leave it unlocked. The other thing is I have experimented with ways to keep the door closed if if somehow they break the glass, the safety glass next to the door and try to unlock it from the inside, which is what you could do. I've figured a way to keep a desk in front of, or yeah, a wedge a desk leg into the handle to keep the door closed, even if they do find access to the inside. So those are the main things uh, aside from that. There are things that will remain nameless around the classroom that can be used as weapons in uh, last resort. They're stashed strategically in the classroom too. Uh, the kids don't know where they are or what it is, but I do. This open and inviting structure of schools is not something new. In the recent school shooting in Uval, Texas, the unlocked doors were a major issue, giving the shooter access to the building and classrooms easily. Unlocked doors, like the one guessing has to deal with on a daily basis, cause major issues in the world of education. This same issue has sent guessing into lockdown on multiple occasions. More recently, we had two intruders come into the building. Door was propped by students. They were identified as not students. The police were called. We were asked to stay in our classroom. It was a little bit of an issue because the building is in lockdown was never set. Again, I don't know why. I don't know if it was someone panicked or didn't want to panic, but we were kept in our classrooms and told to stay in our classrooms. As an intelligent person, I understand that means lockdown. One other time there was someone in the building who was unaccounted for, or they didn't know who it was, and they asked us again to stay in our classrooms. They did not use the term lockdown, but that's what it was. So three times. Lockdowns and involvement in school violence has seen a great uptick in recent years. According to a Stanford study, those exposed to school shootings and violence in schools are at a greater risk of taking antidepressants and suffering mentally due to the events. Guessing notes how the violence in his school has affected his students' inability to come to class and feel safe. It's definitely had a negative effect on both. You know, uh, I know tons of teachers who are in therapy. Uh, I'm not ashamed to say that I was in therapy at one point. Uh, it's it's really taken its toll. I've seen more kids, more students leave class for periods because they couldn't take it. And those, the reasons are usually not revealed to the teacher. They're usually cryptically given because of privacy issues. But if a student comes to class and then suddenly they're gone for two weeks and I get an email from the guidance counselor that they've been placed in a facility or they've been removed. That has happened at least, I'm gonna say seven times this year, all time high for me. I've never experienced that. I am teaching more classes. I have six classes, but you're talking over one student per class. That's huge. Is it all attributed to gun violence? Absolutely not. You know, We know that the teenage years, the adolescent years are difficult years and there's never one reason but there's certainly a correlation with the uptick in gun violence and the uptick in violence and the uptick in mental health issues in school both among faculty staff and students 
guessing, like many other educators, feel like the gun laws in Pennsylvania do not do enough to protect them and their students. In 2018, the American Federation for Teachers took a poll and found that a vast majority of respondents were in favor of universal background checks, waiting periods on gun sales, and a nationwide ban on assault weapons. However, until these actions are taken, both teachers and students alike will continue to go to school and work in a dangerous environment. This sparks a lot of emotion amongst educators, mainly feelings of anger. The feeling is frustration, anger. Being who I am, sometimes I get angry at myself because I'm like, I should have been the leader. I should have been the principal. I should have been whoever because I know I could do a better job. But in life, you got to play the hand you're dealt and you have to fulfill your role and your job. So it's not my job to do that. It's my job to teach. Absolutely angry, frustrated that we don't have clear cut answers, upset that it got to that level, frustrated with the lack of communication. And most teachers, I believe, my opinion, feel the same way. If this is what we do and this is what we drill and this is what happens, you know, that's how it should be executed. It's the same thing in a classroom. The reason you practice mathematics problems is because you want to get good at that skill because that skill is going to translate on a test, on an exam. And if it's really good skill, really worthwhile, it's going to help you later on in life. That's why we study things like compound interest. That's why we study things like rates. If you don't have those skills, there's going to be holes in your knowledge. There's going to be a lack of skills going forward. It's the same thing in, in a school environment, in a school setting. If this is how we practice and we refuse to do it, then anything can happen. Luckily, we have a staff that's professional enough that we know how to respond. We know how to take care of each other. We know how to look out for each other and we do it together. And yeah, the feeling is frustration. Most of the staff are frustrated with that. We've also, we're also rule followers, teachers, generally speaking. There may be a few exceptions out there. When we're told that this is the way it's gonna be or this is the way it is, and this is why you didn't know that, we usually accept it. But people are getting a little tired and a little scared and suddenly it's like, wait a sec, this is what you said, but this is not what you did. This is what we practiced, but this is not how it was executed. And honestly, I think there's a lack of accountability at times. We have things that we say we do that we don't always do. And teachers are always held over the fire in terms of accountability. It's not always the case when you go further up the food chain. Sometimes people act a certain way and they get away with it and they're they're leaders in the building and you know there's no accountability. So it's it's frustrating and upsetting. Educators like Dr. Wright and Mr. Guessing show the complexity of this issue from their standpoint. However, not only are educators affected by the violence of guns in the classroom. Students face a whole host of anxieties surrounding this topic here in Philadelphia. We spoke with Temple University senior Nina Carcello to get a student's perspective on this issue. Nina has been personally affected by gun violence here in Philly. 
Yeah. Um, I think definitely at first, like I said, you never think it's going to happen to you. So you live your life with it as a wary, but it's kind of a wary in the back of your mind. But I think that after it happens to you, you kind of live in a state of paranoia, kind of. Which I think is sad because, you know, everyone that kind of moves here and lives here comes for an education and for a college experience. And I think that the fact that students have to worry about home invasions or robberies or carjackings um, in an area that they're supposed to feel safe in and this should be like a carefree time of your life, I think is really sad that students live with that burden every day. Just walking to class is a, a risk of a situation happening. Incidents surrounding gun violence affect students' mental health. Studies show that those affected by gun violence are more likely to take antidepressants. But Nina spoke about some safety measures that she takes in order to feel safe going to school in Philadelphia. Um, I think there's definitely ups and downs. I think that there's little safety measures that you can take that kind of ease mental health. Uh, For example, I have a car here. So instead of walking to class or walking to other places to go see friends or get food, I kind of see myself using the car as means of transportation more often. But even then you still, you know, hear about carjackings and other things. So I just think that even when you find solutions to your issues or your stresses, there's always like another thing that comes up that could happen. So I think that, I mean, there's definitely been coping mechanisms that can help just to try to not stress and not be paranoid. But the realities of life here kind of um, overpower that sometimes. Gun violence in the classroom in Philadelphia and the surrounding suburbs is an issue that will not be solved overnight. It is an issue that must be addressed on a federal level. However, Nina brings to light some safety measures that she believes could help Temple University feel safer to its students. I mean, yeah, I definitely agree with you that I think it's a complex issue. And I think that's why we're in this situation in the first place is because there's no black and white solution. I think that one of the things that could be done, which is hard to do without personnel, but I think that Temple's police force definitely needs to be expanded. I think that I've heard instances just the other week that students have called Temple police and they say that if it's a real emergency, call 911 because they don't even have enough officers to respond to students. So I think that as a student, that's disheartening to hear that your own police force can't accommodate your own needs. So I think that expanding the police force, just like having more patrol on the streets, even the bike cops, I think if you see those, you kind of have a sense of ease that, you know, someone's watching your back. So I would just say maybe more patrol. Like I mentioned earlier, I think expanding the patrol zone is definitely necessary. So students, regardless of where they live in campus radius, can feel like they're a part of the Temple community and are protected. But I think gun violence is such a major issue and it's not going to be fixed overnight. But I do think that the university first needs to acknowledge the problem before they fix it. And I think that, which is so hard to believe, but I think that Temple sometimes is still in denial about the growing issue that's being faced here in this community. So I think that they definitely have a lot of work that needs to be done. But I think the first step for them is to like acknowledge the severity of the issue so that the solution can like match the damages. Gun violence in and out of the classroom is not something that will be curbed in the near future. It is a problem that educators and students alike face every day when they enter the classroom. Today, we were able to scratch the surface regarding how it impacts Philadelphia and their surrounding suburbs. We looked at how professors like Tom Wright feel safe in the classroom, but recognized constant community engagement is necessary to keep Temple community safe. Teachers like Chuck Guessing see gun violence as a more eminent threat 
and works to keep his classroom safe when leadership may not be as involved. Students like Nina work to keep herself safe through coping mechanisms. Together, we see that an overarching idea and a systematic change must occur in order to curb gun violence and the negative mental health effects it has. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Diving Deeper. Thank you to our entire team who made this podcast possible. From our producer, Libby Facek and audio engineer, Janelle Boudet, I'm Chloe Gessing. Thank you all.